well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. Well, good morning to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for being with us, either here at the at the building or uh, on online. We come to the third lesson in our series on three questions about God. Andrew started us off with uh, who is God, giving us some beautiful attributes of God. Eric followed that by talking about is it worth it, and certainly it is worth it. And so those were two powerful lessons given to us uh, by Andrew and Eric. And uh, now uh, my challenge is to follow uh, behind uh, those two very good lessons as we talk about a purpose and God's purpose for us. One of the most basic questions we can raise is, what are we about? What are we doing with our lives? You may remember the old lyrics, what's it all about, Alfie? Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you sort it out, Alfie? People have always asked, why am I here? What is my life about? Does God have a purpose for my life? And the Bible takes up that question, and here are some of its answers. Solomon's conclusion to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And then Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33 said, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's another angle, though, on our purpose in life that is clearly spelled out in Isaiah 43 and verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. We were created to bring glory to God. Our purpose on earth is to give God the glory. It's an orientation toward life. It guides our moral decisions. It gives us purpose in our finances, purpose in our family, in all of life. It is fundamental. It is basic. It causes us to ask, does this attitude, this task, this purchase, this act, does it give God the glory? What do we mean? Let me suggest three steps to giving God the glory. The first step is accepting it. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this. He understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Scripture teaches us that we must believe with all of our hearts that all the good things and all the grace and all the comfort and all the wonders of life stem and start from the hand of the Almighty God who loves us. And if we do, 
And if we believe that, then we have passed the first step on the way to giving God the glory. The second step is finding it. Some of God's glory is as clear as looking at a beautiful sunset, but some of it may be hidden, concealed. Proverbs 25, verse 2, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of the law. Now there are moments in life when we would have to be spiritually blind to miss God's glory. But other times it takes the keen eye of faith to see God's glory in life. And when we come to that point in our lives, when we see glory, not just when the birds are singing and the flowers are blooming, but when we see God's glory in the cloudy days, in the midst of the rain, in the midst of the worst storms of life, then we've passed the second stage in giving God the glory. The third stage is practicing it. Romans chapter 15, verse 7, Therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 10, And each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The bottom line in these passages is doing something in life that will show both yourself and others that you're giving glory to God. Open your heart, open your mind, and make giving God the glory the central purpose of your life. Revelation 5, verse 13, And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Paul concludes his prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We've talked about accepting it, finding it, practicing it. So how do we glorify God? Number one, by worshiping Him. Revelation 4, beginning in verse 9, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Number two, by loving other believers. Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 34, said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you, love, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. 
But we glorify God also, number three, by becoming like Christ. Romans 8, verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many believers. We sing, O to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. That's precisely God's purpose in a nutshell, to be conformed into the image of His Son, to be like Christ. Number four, by serving others with our gifts. Romans 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And then by telling others about Him. John 15, verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Famous hymnist and minister Philip Doddridge, who blessed us with such songs as Grace, Tis a Charming Sound, and O Happy Day, was born in 1702, the youngest of 20 children. Eighteen of his siblings died in infancy. Philip was not expected to live. Poor health plagued him throughout his life. In spite of these problems, he went on to become a minister and teacher. He taught Hebrew, Greek, mathematics, philosophy, Bible, theology. He died in 1751 at the age of 48. One story out of his life was that he heard about an Irishman named Connell who was sentenced to death in Northampton in 1741. At great personal expense and much trouble, Doddridge investigated the whole matter. He found positive proof that Connell was innocent, that he couldn't have committed the crime because he was some 120 miles away when it took place. But it was all for nothing, and the innocent man was to be hung. They asked Connell if he had one final request, and he did. He wanted the procession to the gallows to stop for a moment in front of Doddridge's house so he could kneel there and offer a blessing to the man who had tried so valiantly to save him. When the procession halted, he cried out in a strong, clear voice, Dr. Doddridge, every hair on my head thanks you. Every drop of my blood thanks you. You did your best to save me, but you couldn't. To borrow Connell's words, Dear Lord, every hair on our heads thanks you. Every drop of our blood and every thought of our hearts thanks you for coming to find us and to save us. And what we want most in life is to give glory to God. A familiar passage in Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, God had a plan for his people then. They would be returning from captivity, and they would have a future and a hope. And God has a plan of purpose for us now. What is God's purpose for our lives? To bring him glory. How do we do that? by worshiping Him, by loving other believers, by becoming like Christ, 
by serving others with our gifts, and by telling others about Him. In her book, The Whisper Test, Mary Ann Bird writes about her life in the second grade. Bird was born with a cleft palate. When she entered school, kids would tease her about her misshapen lips and her crooked teeth, her garbled speech. When they asked her, what happened to you, she would lie and say that when she was young, she fell on some glass and cut herself. Bird believed that no one would ever love her. That year, Bird's teacher, Mrs. Leonard, gave a hearing test to everyone in the class, and from previous years, Bird knew that Mrs. Leonard would sit at her desk while one of the students stood in the doorway covering one of their ears, and Mrs. Leonard would whisper a sentence, something like, the sky is blue, and the student would have to repeat it back. When it came time for Mary Ann's whisper test, she stood at the door with one of her hands covering her ear, waiting for the sentence. And when the sentence came, it shocked her. It was seven words that changed her life. Mrs. Leonard whispered, I wish you were my little girl. Well, those are the words that God is whispering today. I want you to be my child. I created you for my glory. And so whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. That is God's plan, and that is God's purpose for our lives.